Hi everyone and welcome to the Global Health Collective. I'm your host Shania Bopa. I'm a PhD student, wellness blogger, and co-founder of the GTA nonprofit, the Canadian Courage Project. Season 4 is all about highlighting women from around the world that are living balanced lives while managing a full career and their own personal lives. Balance is possible and I can't wait for us to hear the inspiration together. Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Global Health collective podcast we have a very special guest today and i hope that everyone who has been listening to this season thus far has felt inspired and motivated and honestly a little bit de-stressed when you're hearing these episodes and and feeling like there's hope at the end of the tunnel especially if you're in canada and you're experiencing the lockdown right now we have priyanka nadu she is a medical doctor and aspiring pediatric reconstructive surgeon from cape town south africa Priyanka is a firm advocate for prioritizing safe surgery and in 2015 was announced as one of the top 200 young South Africans for her work in the healthcare sector. Priyanka joined the Operation Smile Global Surgery Fellowship in February 2020 and was involved in education and training and health system strengthening initiatives. And now she is about to tell us a little bit about herself, a little bit more about Operation Smile, what is Operation Smile, and her passions throughout her career thus far. Welcome, Priyanka. Thank you, Shania, and thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It really is such an honor to be asked to to join you today because I know that this podcast means a lot to, to in, in terms of developing the next generation of leaders and keeping everyone inspired during these times so thank you for having me no worries and thanks for being here it's probably a lot sunnier where you are compared to where it I am <laughs> it is indeed tell everyone a little bit about yourself, how you got to where you are, what's your next step, and how has your work at Operation Smile been such a pivotal opportunity for you in your career? There really is almost only one word to describe where I am today, and and it is, it's probably serendipity, and I am so grateful for where I am today. I, I was telling you a bit earlier that I actually never wanted to be a doctor and it was never really on the cards for me. I was training quite hard when I was 17, um, for almost a decade. I'd started dancing when I was seven and really was hoping to become a professional dancer and join a company and injured my knee quite badly at the age of 17 to the point where I could no longer keep dancing and I was forced to reimagine a different life for myself. At the time, I all I knew was medicine because my dad was an anesthesiologist, my mom was a, a radiographer, and so it was what was known to me. And my dance teacher said, well, why don't you use that? And what about plastic surgery? Because it's the perfect combination between art and science. And I never really looked at it in that way. And so really that was what inspired me to go into medicine. And I'm so glad I did because when I, when I started in medical school, I started noticing the inequities, the really deep rooted inequities in our country that I know are not common to South Africa alone. And these problems of poverty and inequality and just poor, fragile health systems plague many countries in the world and and even some high-income countries in in areas where 
healthcare is maldistributed. So learning about global health was something that really inspired me. And because of my patients and the people I was meeting along my journey, but constantly felt conflicted because surgery was never, never really had a role in global health and was always, as Paul Farmer likes to say, the neglected stepchild of, of global public health. So I really struggled. And this was prior to 2015. I admit at that point, global surgery wasn't a household name, wasn't a well-known concept. And in 2015, I went into my internship and started working at a hospital called Prishani Baraguanath. And it's the third largest hospital in the world, which I only realized after I got there, with uh, three and a half thousand beds and really a place that we often called the war zone if uh, we weren't calling it paradise because just the pathology and the, the deep-rooted inequities that we would see at that hospital, the fact that the, the fragility of our healthcare system was just so profound. So it became even more apparent to me. And where I really felt the need to go into a career in global health was in the year after that, when I was doing my first year of general surgery training. And I was based at a hospital where patients were dying from surgical conditions that purely because of where they were born and what they had access to at that particular hospital and area. And just because we didn't have all the equipment necessary or the expertise sometimes to treat conditions that they were presenting with, they had long lasting morbidity and complications. And sadly, quite a few patients um, demise from con conditions that you would just never imagine in other countries, particularly high-income countries. So after that year, I felt incredibly despondent and still wanted to pursue a career in surgery and plastic surgery in particular, but felt like I needed to be re-inspired to create solutions. And so that's where I was fortuitously offered an opportunity to do a, a master's in global surgery. And at the time I had no idea what this concept of global surgery was. It was completely foreign to me, but I had an, an incredible mentor who was a US plastic surgeon, moved to Rwanda to support the human resources and health program in Rwanda, and then subsequently moved to South Africa and has started one of the first centers for global surgery in South Africa. So she's been an incredibly inspiring mentor for me and has been really my sounding board in global surgery. And that's where also my, my story of being a woman in, in surgery um, really starts is having strong female mentors. And that was, I would say that that was the turning point in my career because this fairly new field where I was becoming definitely well-versed in global surgery and what it meant, got opportunities to speak about it at different conferences, got opportunities to share my knowledge and my research in global surgery. And it was in that year that I was introduced to two uh, female global surgery fellows who 
with Operation Smile and got invited to the founder of the Global Surgery Fellowship Program of Operation Smile, Dr. Billy McGee. And after that, the, the rest was really history. I was offered a fellowship program. Again, was a really difficult decision for me to make at the time because I had to take time out of clinical training, which is something that's not always respected in, in South Africa it's, um, and probably around the world too. And so that was a difficult decision for me, but I'm so glad I made it because it's been one of the most inspiring times in my life and has definitely opened up opportunities for me to understand how I can take research into that implementation stage and how I can use that knowledge to develop context relevant solutions. So a serendipitous fortuitous path, but so glad I'm, I'm here today and it's exactly where I, I want to be. And I think one thing you mentioned that, that I think is so important for everyone listening to remember is that health is more than healthcare. It's your age, it's your demographics on where you're living, where you grew up, the access to resources that you have, and whether it is related to surgery or just, you know, access to general resources, like very, very mainstream resources, whether it's mental health related or going to a family doctor. It's so different around the world. It's valued differently around the world. And I think from what I've heard from you so far is that insight that you've gotten into what global surgery is, what it constitutes and how it really does need to be developed in so many capacities and you're part of, and that's part of your role. And I think that's so inspiring to hear that, you know, you didn't have a necessarily like paved out plan that happened after A, B, C, D, but you found your way and there were circumstances and situations where if you hadn't had taken a leap of faith and taken a risk with, you know, going into a fellowship when just like in Canada, it's not necessarily respected to take time off clinical work and, but you did it because it felt right. And it has now paid off in terms of just your moral compass, feeling grounded in your everyday values and purpose, especially as a woman. I, I love that you mentioned, uh, really a leap of faith because at the time, and I truly accredit Michelle Obama <laughs> with uh, my leap of faith because I was reading her book and is it her become becoming becoming? No. Yeah. 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 That's exactly it. And uh, at the time I was making the decision, I was in a chapter and, and landed on a page that spoke about her swerving in her career and, you know, be not afraid to swerve because it's led her to where she is in her life and, and this incredibly fulfilling career and, and life. So yeah, some really incredibly strong females that have inspired my story. And what, in terms of like where you've seen barriers for especially women obtaining leadership positions, whether it's from mentors that you've been inspired by, or even just you yourself feeling that barrier what would be your advice for an aspiring health leader who may not fit the typical mold to break down those barriers and still feel empowered to continue to move in the direction that they're moving? I'm so glad you brought this up because this is actually just one of the topics I feel so strongly about. I 
often felt being a woman in surgery that I didn't see myself in the leaders in the field that I was practicing in. And that can be really challenging to continue to stay motivated, to um, want to aspire to be a leader and also to develop your own leadership style and skills. So since really um, finding female mentors, it's it's been so eye-opening to me how important it is to really carry that torch and, and inspire others and open up doors for opportunities that you may not necessarily have had, but now being in a position that you are can really empower the next generation or even a peer or colleague. And I will say that my time with Operation Smile has really just amplified that vision and, and the belief that women can be elevated into these global health leadership positions and leadership positions in general. So the one of the, um, the women I spoke about earlier, uh, a resident, a female resident, she, Dr. Naikabo Manabi, she um, is in plastic surgery at the University of Cal Southern California. And I was just, I remember being incredibly enthralled by her and uh, a, a speech she gave at a conference in Rwanda and had the opportunity to work alongside her for a few months. And she pulled together alongside some in incredible women from Operation Smile and phenomenal um, volunteers from around the world, an all women, women's surgical program in Morocco, the first the organization has ever had. And since then it was so successful and showed such huge impact with regards to creating supportive environments to build mentorship amongst female healthcare providers and to encourage leadership and career development opportunities that Operation Smile in its next decade has committed to really amplifying that particular goal and, and aligning itself with the platform that it's, it has to support reaching sustainable development goals like the one on gender equality. And so this year, there will be four all-women surgical programs, um, one in each of the regions where we work, and inspired entirely by local leaders with collaboration from throughout the region, and just really a space where not only providers, female healthcare providers, can have access to opportunities and mentorship that will elevate them into leadership positions, but also that patients can can see it, it this is possible for themselves and their families for women and their families to really become leaders in healthcare and so that is incredibly inspiring especially after so much literature has come out saying global health is um, run by women but led by men and the UN announcing that 70 percent of the health sector globally is made up of women but who hold only 25% of the leadership position. So this is one, another inspiring way that Operation Style has shown me that we can take that research and translate it into context relevant solutions and, and truly make a difference. Mm -hmm. I agree. I saw that stat the other day on Twitter and I was just so blown away by the idea, but also, and this is so awful to say, but not surprised because it's what we've been conditioned to know, especially 
like within even academia, I see every dean of every program, every leader of ho a hospital in in Canada is led by a man. Um, and so I admire that Operation Smile has opened up that dialogue and that opportunity for specifically women in the field to get the training and the resources that they need, but also if they're on the receiving end and if they're receiving care and if they um, need to access care. And out of curiosity, tell me a little bit more about the partnerships that Operation Smile has and sort of your role at Operation Smile as we speak. So I have just finished my time as a Global Surgery Fellow with Operation Smile, and it's a truly inspiring program, a group of 10 fellows from around the world, different parts of the world, and just the expertise and the unique experiences and the challenges they bring working in their own health systems. It's just been an incredibly inspiring group of, of individuals to be a part of. And so shortly after finishing my time, I've just uh, joined the organization in a part-time capacity as a senior advisor, specifically within the Department of Research, Education and Innovation, which is so exciting for me because that is something that I often noticed when I was doing my master's in global surgery is that we were, we were finding these incredibly um, profound inequities in, in the global health and global surgical spaces, but we weren't able to do much about it. And we were reporting on these inequities without the potential or the funding for solutions to address them. And Operation Smile, the fellowship has really shown me that these aspirational goals and, and lofty dreams, they sometimes might seem, actually are a reality and that you, there is a space to collaborate with local leaders and ministries of health to support them in reaching their goals as the country. And so in my role as a senior advisor now, I am supporting also on uh, the research side and education and training, really looking at how we can assess quantity and quality of cleft surgical practices across the world. And ensuring that we represent traditionally underrepresented populations in the literature. I've also been so privileged to be a part of what we've just launched today is um, Operation Smile's next decade. So this is the year of the 40th anniversary for Operation Smile. And we truly believe that as a global family, this is the next decade of love and leadership and also a commitment to journey further out into the periphery and an opportunity to build healthcare systems and incorporate health systems strengthening more intentionally into our work as an organization. So it is really this notion of building as we climb and that together we can all achieve the goals that will sustain our health systems. So really looking forward to what this year brings and our contribution as an organization to sustainable development goals. I love it. And if you are a global health student, you've heard the SDGs thrown around probably once a day. I think the sustainable development goals and I think everything that Operation Smile is doing is in line with the global goals and very 
aware of the context in which there are inequities within countries and how we can approach those inequities to promote equity, which is one of the SDGs. <laughs> and so um, I appreciate your your work and and to pivot just a little bit, I, I kind of want to hear about you behind your job. Who are you aside from your job? What motivates you on a daily basis to do the work that you're doing other than sort of the impact factor that you might see? What about your daily habits or your like internal quote unquote why? make you the person that you are? There are so many times where I sit back and I I think about my patience and the fact that I was lucky enough to be born into a life where I had more opportunities than others. And knowing I've just met some really incredible people and around the world and in my patients and know that, that if they'd had the same opportunities, they would go on to do incredible things and so it is about truly making the circle bigger for me and being able to reduce inequalities in in the spaces where I work I envision a world one day where your access to healthcare and particularly surgical care doesn't depend on where you're born and that that right is really something that's entitled to you and and our system will be strong enough one day to to truly truly ensure that but that's what motivates me is the stories of my patients and knowing that this is why we do it and um, this is why you know no matter the long hours and sometimes the frustrations um, that there is a way to strengthen the system and not just beat it so that we can ensure and our patients can lead better lives and healthier lives. Okay, I really admire that you ground your work in with an equity-focused approach. So ensuring that equitable resources and opportunities and support is offered to each and every single one of your patients on a daily basis and throughout your entire career moving forward. Um, what is something that may have surprised you in this role that you play right now versus the 17 year old that danced <laughs> and how ha- how is maybe your role right now similar to the role that you had at 17 that's a great question and i think i'll start with how it's similar so i have always been inspired by this notion of movement and recently um I read a book called Grit by Angela Duckworth. And if you haven't read it, whoever's listening to this podcast, do yourself a favor and have a read because it is truly inspiring. And it speaks about this space that as an individual, you enter once you've practiced so hard and you've done the 10,000 hours. And there's a space where it just becomes flow and it becomes so incredibly natural. And that was the one thing I would say as a dancer, I loved just that feeling of being in a space where you'd worked so hard and you'd practice for hours and you tried to be precise with your movements and everything in that moment just felt weightless because of all the effort you put in. And that is definitely 
what I aspire to in surgery and, and knowing that there will come a time when I have the same feeling. Right now, I, I think it's still, I'm still in my practice learning precision phase. But um, yeah, it's that surgery is not that dissimilar from art. And so that to me is, has been the similarity and something I'm glad I kept from my youth and my past. The difference, and I would say, something that's been incredibly eye-opening for me and something I'm so grateful for is that my career has become a lot more about others and doing what I can for others. And, and that feeling selfishly is can also be so rewarding, but seeing others thrive and, and achieve their goals and dreams because they live, live healthy lives has been something I, I didn't expect from my career and something I, I didn't plan on um, incorporating in my career but it just has become part and parcel and, and I am so glad and I think some of the qualities that you've had so I was a competitive dancer my whole life until 18 as well and how that translates into your motivation and your discipline in what you do after dance so that discipline that you have when you're learning a new routine or you're trying to perfect something is the same discipline that is like an ingrained quality of yours that you're going to carry over into every facet of your life, whether it is your academics or your ambition to maybe run a marathon or clean your room every week or, or make sure you meal prep on a daily, on a, on a weekly basis. It, those are qualities that translate across the board. And so it's almost like an eye-opening kind of reflective moment to see that you have been working on the qualities that make you a great physician your whole life. It's just with a different focus at this point in life. Yeah. And that's a great way to look at it. Cause you're right. You know, it's um, th these, the same principles I aspired to when I was 17 are the ones I still aspire to today. And that's been, that's been just so um, great for me to continue to build on those and, and to utilize them in my career, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm gonna wrap up with one last question for you. And it's what is one quote that you live by and why? So this is one of my favorites and um, really just speaks about kind of how I've lived my, my life. And um, I hope it inspires others to do the same, but the quote goes, there is magic everywhere. We just have to look to find it. And so even in the simplest of things, and uh, there were times when I was on call and, and you know, you can just be in a really deep, dark space when you're on call and tired and frustrated and just simple things like the patient saying thank you or the sun rising. 6am, a colleague bringing you coffee. I mean, th these are all incredibly special things in a day that we often in the busyness of what we do, and especially the emotion of what we do as healthcare providers can overlook and, and tend to forget. So that is something I've tried to live by my whole life is just try find the magic in everything uh, because it's there if we just look. I love it. And I think that relates to the idea that your perception creates your reality. 
So if you perceive a situation positively and you keep the optimism and you keep yourself grounded, then your reality will feel positive, happy, and joyful. But it's creating that for your, you, you create the reality in which you see and the way in which you live. And so thank you so much for your inspiration for the last 30 minutes and your information, especially on, on Operation Smile and how you've been able to make a difference in so many people's lives and also everyone listening to this podcast who may be finishing up. Thank you on behalf of everyone, Priyanka. My pleasure. And thank you so much for having me. And um, yeah, keep an eye out for all the exciting events this year with Operation Smile and opportunities to get involved. Awesome. Thanks everyone for listening. And if you have any questions or thoughts, send them our way on the Global Health Collective's Instagram account. And we are more than happy to chat and share the love. Have a great rest of your day.